Welcome to That We May Be One, a podcast aimed at sharing the stories and testimonies of our ward members to foster a greater sense of love and community. Hello, sisters. Today we share an interview with Catherine Gould. Catherine and her husband have been in the ward for 16 years and they have three grown children. Catherine works in three different fields and currently serves as a primary teacher working with the eight-year-old class. Catherine basically lives around the corner from me, and we have seen them walking their dogs around our block or in the neighborhood a lot, and it's always a treat to run into them. Her husband was our home teacher when we first moved into the ward, and he essentially saved my life one time when he was walking by one morning. Feel free to ask me about that story sometime. Needless to say, I love Catherine and her family. As you'll hear in this interview, she is a very positive person with a can-do attitude. She's also very pragmatic and is great at keeping commitments and getting the job done. You'll also hear echoes of that in her interview today. I hope you enjoy this interview with Catherine, where she shares about her conversion, thanks to the efforts of her best friend, and about a major health challenge that helped her trust more in God. <laughs> Hello, sisters. Today, I'm here with Catherine Gould. Hi, Catherine. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. You want to tell me what you were telling me a minute ago about you never intended to do this? No, I was really going to just avoid you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was just telling you, I don't really like to stand out or, I mean, talking about myself is kind of weird to me. So, um, but I had the chance to listen to, I think, almost all of the episodes at this point. Um, some of them I took traveling. I, went, I traveled last spring with my mom for like a month. And so I downloaded a bunch because I knew I'd be a lot of time on airplanes and buses and things. And so I listened to them and it was really fun to take friends' voices with me on while I was gone for so long. Oh, and that's so, fun. Anyway, so I felt like I was feasting at the at the potluck but not bringing anything so then I thought better of my decision so here I am <laughs> thank you and I think I snagged you because you and your husband were walking your dogs once and Russ told me he listened to the podcast he does listen to some of them yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so then I was like well Catherine I know yeah I blame him <laughs> well I'm so glad we get to hear your stories today yeah. so thank you. you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself and your family yeah, Russ and I moved into the ward with our three kids 15, no, 16 years ago. So it was kind of during that, um, there was a summer where lots of families moved in at the same time. So we were part of that kind of rush before several realignments have happened. So, so uh, but now the youngest is on a mission. So all of our kids are grown and so it's kind of a new phase of life. Yeah. So Are you enjoying your new phase of life? Um, I think so. Yeah, it's just adjusting. Yeah, and it's different. Figuring out what this new looks opportunities, like. but you know, it's a little sad too in mm-hmm. some ways. But yeah. it's good. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, do you want to start off with telling us about any unique hobbies, talents, or traditions oh, that you have? Um, I don't know that I really have traditional hobbies. Okay. Um, I'm not really a book reader. I'm more of a watch the movie kind of person. <laughs> I think it's faster or somehow. I, <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, and so let's see. Um, my hobbies have kind of always been whatever my kids were doing. You know, it was just mm-hmm. kind of always they're playing soccer. I was the soccer fan and the cross country enthusiast and whatever. And then I spent a lot of time just volunteering between PTA and art docent and things like that. That kind of just was what I filled my time mm-hmm. with. Absolutely. When the kids were younger. Yeah. Um, so, here so I guess that's part of that new phase of life is figuring out what your new yeah, interests are. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I kind of just go in swings. Like I, I've worked on family history for a long time, but it goes in 
waves, you know, I go way into the rabbit hole and then, <laughs> then I have to step away and then I'll go months without doing anything. And then kind of, that's a good so, description. It is yeah. I can't do it hole. all the time. I get, yeah. it's, it's still <laughs> too much, but if I'm on the scent of something, I also can't let go until I see it through. Oh yeah. I get so, it for yeah. sure. <laughs> so that's good. Um, so yeah, I, I think I just go more like projects. Like right now I'm working on painting some furniture, refinishing some furniture oh, cool. yeah. for an office. Um, but then I'll be sick of it and I won't want to do anything like that for a long time, you know, so it just depends. That makes sense. That's yeah. cool. And then I work a little bit. I work like three very sporadic jobs. Okay. So the, and the, the first one is sort of came from volunteering at the school and then it became a paid position. So, um, when students in high school are taking AP classes, advanced placement classes, then they can get college credit if they pass the advanced placement exam. And the exams are every May for a couple of weeks. So I help um, organize and prepare for and administer and proctor the AP exams okay. each May. And so April and most of May, I'm pretty busy with that. All your Saturdays are booked, huh? No, they're it's it's during Saturdays. the week. It's oh, the okay. Monday through Friday um, for two weeks in oh, May. Okay. They do it during the school hours. Got it. And so, so that's, yeah, the weekends are the rest. And then, <laughs> um, and then from that, they also asked me to be on a clerical sub list. So just like their substitute teachers... At the high schools, there's um, substitutes for the office staff. So if somebody has to go out on medical leave or Mm -hmm. anything more than like a day, sometimes they'll call and they'll say, you know, are you available to cover this desk? So I do that. They don't call super often, um, sporadically here and there. It might be a one-week assignment at one school or a couple days at a different school. So that's kind of fun. I don't have to, you know, I can say yes if I want, and I Mm -hmm. can say I'm not available if I'm not. The flexibility sounds really nice. It's really awesome. So there's that. And then my third kind of sporadic job is I help a friend with her wedding flower business. So I do, we probably, I don't know, do six or seven weddings a year. So it's not a ton. Yeah. Um, so then that's the weekends, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So you're helping her arrange the flowers. Yeah, we go get them from yeah. the wholesaler. We process the flowers. We arrange the flowers. Oh, that's set so up cool. wherever the reception site is. Yeah. All that, stuff. Well, that is a so, cool, unique hobby. It's or fun. Talent that you have. Yeah. I'm not super creative, like artsy, mm-hmm. um, but this sort of fills that like creation, creative yeah. type. Yeah. And the best part about it is, you know, flowers. If it doesn't look right, you can take them apart and try again. Whereas, like. Paint to the canvas. You got a one shot, and that's not. That's true. Yeah. So I like the cushion. It's a very editable. Yeah. It is. There. It is. Yeah. It's good. So, so yeah, I keep that. Like that kind of keeps me busy too. So. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And you um, recently were released from Young Women's, and now you are serving in primary. Yes. Right. Working yes. with my daughter Felicity. She yes. Loves you. Little eight year olds are so fun. It's a perfect age because mm. they can read. Yes. And they can you know understand a lesson longer, yeah. but they're you know still learning and still so excited about yes. life yeah really cute <laughs> well that's yeah. great okay well are you ready to dive in sure sure all right would you like to get started by telling us just a little bit about your childhood yeah um so I'm an only child mostly raised by myself I was the only child between my mom and my dad and then they split up when I was like in first or second grade and um, my dad's side of the family kind of go back to the midwest for a long time and no religious affiliation really to any church Mm -hmm. so I was kind of raised without a religion necessarily um my mom on the other hand was so my mom's French that whole side of the family is from France and my mom was born in France um so there's a Catholic background on that side but not super observant okay I would say 
Um, so I was baptized with a little sprinkling when I was an infant, but my mom never took me to church. I went occasionally with my grandmother, um, but just enough to like wonder what's going on. Never was really taught about like, when do they repeat something and when do they not? And when do they kneel? And when, you know, there was you know, more questions right. than answers right. when I was little. So, um, yeah, so my mom's family came, her father brought them to Los Angeles when she was about 13 and um, for my grandfather's work. Um, and so I, by the time I was born, I was raised really close to my grandparents. Like they were my daycare. Mm-hmm. My dad worked a day shift <clears throat> and then my mom worked nights in the restaurants. And so there was overlap. So that she would drop me off at my grandmother's house and then later my dad would pick me up. So I spent a lot of time with my French grandparents. Mm-hmm. And so I just learned to speak French and English at the same time when I was a little. little. Oh, that's so cool. And I was kind mm-hmm. of immersed in that French culture at their house. Um, and then to kind of reinforce that, there were four different times when I was young that um, I traveled back to France with my grandmother when she would go visit family. So the first time I was two, two and a half, and it was for three months. Wow. So I came back. I didn't really speak English. And I was afraid to talk to my dad because he didn't speak French. So it was oh, gosh. kind of, I was really all in there at that point. Um, and then I went back, I think, six weeks when I was five, and then like a month each when I was seven, and then ten. And that was the last trip with my grandma. So, so a lot of time with my grandparents, which is really fun, good memories. Yeah. So, and I have to clarify when people think, oh, you traveled to France when you were a kid. It was not glamorous. We were not at a chateau. We were not, <laughs> it was, it was take the flight to Paris. We got into a taxi from the airport to a train station. I think the one time I saw the Eiffel Tower from the taxi cab, that's, that was it. And then it was like an overnight train down to the southern, southwestern France is where mm-hmm. the families were from. And it was, most of the time was spent on family ancestral farms okay. that my grandmother was born on and her father was born on and so on. Got so it. it was just farm life, really. Yeah. So that still it sounds, sounds nice, running it around sounds, the French countryside. Yes, it sounds very glamorous, <laughs> but it probably wasn't a whole lot different. My husband will disagree, but then him going to his grandma's farmy community in Provo. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Really? Too, yeah, yeah. It was not glamorous just just to clarify okay yeah so so then when did your faith develop so I let's see when I was um a freshman in high school my mom had moved me to Colorado we had moved to Colorado she wanted to try something new and that year my dad and his wife had moved up to Sacramento and then at the end of my freshman year, I found out that they were going to have a child. So that was going to be my only, like, blood sibling. Yeah. And I really wanted to be there for it. So I made the choice that summer after freshman year to come and live in Sacramento with my dad. And so that is kind of where that started. Pretty, um, just, I think one of your questions was a person that has affected your life. And yeah. So I was brand new, sophomore year in high school. I knew not a soul. And the first couple of days, you know, you don't want to stick out as being a loner so I did like lunch I just walked like as if I had some place to go you know I was just walking the whole time and um and then I don't know maybe the third or fourth day I was in PE class and we finally had like dressed out for PE and we had to do some sort of obstacle course yeah. and um there was another girl who we were about to like 
try to climb the same wall at the same time and there was like a little bit of recognition of each other and then we kind of finished at the same time and so we started we were then dismissed to the locker room and on the way from that spot to the locker room she was that she was the outgoing person again I was the introvert so um she started to talk to me she asked if I was new and I said yes and she had been the new student mid-year the prior year Mm -hmm. and so she introduced herself and um then she, you know, she said, well, do you, if you want, you can come and have lunch with me and some friends. And I was like, of course, that'd be great. <laughs> I've tried not to act too eager. Right. Um, but then in that show, I mean, literally, it was just maybe a couple minute conversation, but she introduced her, told me her name, invited me to have lunch with her and her friends, but warned me that they use swear words sometimes and that she didn't and that she was Mormon. Mm. And I remember thinking, well, I don't know a lot about Mormons. All I knew was that my mom we had some neighbors, um, and my mom had said, they're weird, they have a lot of kids. This was coming from the lady who had one child, right? So take it for what it's worth. Right. Um, and so now I knew that apparently they didn't use swear words. So, okay, that was all I knew. So um, so I joined them for, for lunch. And, and I don't think I really got very to be good friends with any of those other people, but she and I hit it off. Oh, and so then we just became best friends. Yeah. And so over the course of that through the end of high school, I just learned a lot about the church through her in just very casual mm-hmm. ways. You know, um, she invited me to some young women's activities. I think I went to seminary a couple of times if I had spent the night at her house yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, and then there were some times where she had been asked to speak in church. And just as the best friend, I was just going to be there to support her. It wasn't yeah. like, you know... So I just kind of kept my ears open. I'm not one to ask questions because I'm shy. <laughs> and so if I want to know something, I'm just really observant and listen and take it all in. So that's kind of how I just started to, to learn things. And I was really, I think, mostly struck by the importance that was placed on families. Mm. Family togetherness. I know I learned about family home evening and um, just, just the importance and the stress put on uh, family time yeah so I think just because my parents had split up that that really spoke to me at that time yeah and so um yeah so I just learned like she just casually would you know we would maybe try to make plans to go see a movie or something and then I remember it coming up about a Sunday and then she would you know just tell me about her actions or beliefs uh, about Sundays and Sabbath day and so I was like oh okay so just like little ways like that I just kept learning Mm mm-hmm um, and then fast forward to my senior year, um, my birthday's in March. And so for my birth, part of a birthday gift, she had given me a book of Mormon with her testimony written in it. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember, I, mean, I certainly didn't feel like, oh, she's trying to push anything on me. It was yeah. more of like, I was touched that she was willing to share mm-hmm. something that was, I knew special to her. Yeah. That's more, it was, I, I felt like a compliment. Yeah. Um, and so, but I, I think I mentioned I don't really like to read much so <laughs> but I knew that that was kind of special to her so mm-hmm. I committed that I would read it after graduation okay. I, I had way too much going on for right. school and so I thought after graduation I, I will read it I made my, myself that promise so I put it on the shelf and then um, I should add about the same time I started to date a young man named Russ Gould <laughs> in high school um, and more on that later but we were just dating and yeah Anyway, so graduation happened, and then my friend Sherry, her bishop, said, well, now that you're graduated, you have to go to the YSA ward. And so she's like, I don't want to go by myself. Will you go with me? 
I was like, sure, that's what best friends do, right? So, <laughs> sure. So I went with her. And I think there was an influx of enough new people that I didn't really stand out as like, as if I didn't belong there. Right. I just kind of was there with other yeah. people. I think a lot of people didn't even know that I wasn't a member of the church. Right. And so, um, so I went to church with her all summer. And then I started reading. I kept my promise I had to myself. And I started <laughs> reading. And then, amazingly, I found myself reading like, long periods of time. I would read every night when I would get home from whatever. Yeah. And I would spend sometimes a lot longer than I expected reading. And I didn't keep a journal at the time. I wish I had, but um, I had experiences where I would have a question, but because I didn't really want to ask somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. I would just kind of have a question maybe that I came up on a Sunday or whatever. And then it seemed like within a couple of days, my question would get answered in whatever I was reading. And that happened repeatedly. It mm-hmm. was, and again, I don't have any specific examples because I didn't write them down. But, <laughs> um, but that was a neat experience. And I remember thinking, well, I don't want to meet with the missionaries because they're going to ask me to get baptized. And I wasn't ready for that because I hadn't mm-hmm. finished reading the book yet. Okay. So that's how I felt. And so, um, so I just kind of floated under the radar at church and through the summer. And then she left for BYU. Okay. And then I didn't go to church for a couple of weeks. And then there was another friend I knew through her mm-hmm. who was not going away to school that semester. And so she called me. She's like, hey, we you want to carpool to church? She didn't take turns. It was um, the word met out by Sac State. So it was kind of a drive. Yeah. And so I said, sure. So then that got me going to church again. Yeah. So by the end of the summer, I had finished the book of Mormon. And then I decided, okay, now I'll meet with the missionaries. So I met with them like once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have them at my house because I was living with my parents. Right. And there wasn't really a private place to meet. So we just met at the church every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so, and Russ was not part of any of that. So he was technically in a different stake. Mm. And so he went to his family ward. Okay. I kept church very separate from him because if we broke up, I didn't want to feel like I couldn't still go to church. Right. Yeah. So I didn't invite him to my lessons. Like it was, <laughs> he didn't feel like he knew enough to like answer my, you know, when I did have questions or talk about the gospel, mm-hmm. he felt very like, I think, unassured of his mm-hmm. own knowledge at that point. Yeah. Um, so they were kind of separate things, but then they, uh, they came together, obviously. Right. So, um, so I met with the missionaries, and they think they were happily surprised that I had read the entire Book of Mormon. <laughs> I'm sure. Right? Like, Where's where this golden contact coming but from? But <laughs> I, and so, you know, so we had the lessons and then I had committed to being baptized, but I said, but I'm not going to get baptized. And this was probably in late October, I'm guessing. Um, but I said, I'm not going to get baptized until my friend comes home from BYU for Christmas. So that was like, yeah, yeah. it really was going to work out to be after Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I think they were really worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, but it worked out and, um, and so, and then, and then I asked Russ to baptize me, so that played it. And then he, by then, I was closer with his parents, and, and his dad um, confirmed me. Oh, that's so cool. Ghost. So that was fun. So, so that's kind of how that progressed. While you were reading the Book of Mormon, like, were you getting constantly that this is true? Like, this is, yeah. by the time you finished, were you pretty convinced that yeah. this, was, yeah. this was true? Yeah, just the, the overall feeling of all of it. Yeah. Was, yeah. So was it, was it gradual? Like there, it was gradual. It was like one but it moment. Was, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely gradual. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just felt right. Yeah. It was yeah. like an old sweater. I don't yeah. know. It just felt yeah, comfortable. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, in that way. Yeah. So, That's yeah. really cool. I love yeah. that. I mean, everybody's experience is different. Right. right? Yeah. Some people it takes a long time. Some people it's something quick. But right. 
love that. Yeah. Heavenly Father can work with all of us the way that we, he needs to. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And he just put the right people in it. Yeah. I mean, my friend Sherry didn't have all the gospel, you know, knowledge, but yeah. when I had a question or she explained something to, something to me, it was always just at the right level. Yeah. Like it wasn't too much. It yeah. was just enough to, it satisfied me. And then I moved on to the next yeah. thing. So it was, oh, yeah, it worked through her really her. well. Yeah. So not that Russ wasn't helpful, but it yeah. was just, I really <laughs> did keep it. I just, I was, I was really concerned, especially, you know, my parents would think, oh, you're joining the church for your boyfriend. Right. And I right. really didn't want that. So yeah. I did How did they it. feel about it when you joined the church? Um, well, my dad didn't really, like I said, not really have any yeah. religious convictions. Right. And so he... You know, he teased me. He's like, I think you're going to the wrong one. That's three hours every Sunday. I think you, that's the wrong church. <laughs> um, but also as a father of a teenage girl, he it also made him very comfortable. Because he yeah. knew that, you know, I was living a pretty conservative lifestyle. Right, so, exactly. So, what about your mom? Um, she didn't really talk too much about it. I mean, yeah. once I had moved to my dad, there was a bit of a rift between my mom yeah. and I for a while. Yeah. So there wasn't. Mm-hmm. real closeness until you know more recently I would say got it yeah. okay that makes sense so okay yeah well cool so does that lead into more stuff about you're saying you're gonna bring up rest later or is there oh just that I kept it separate even yeah. though even though timing wise we started dating about that time it just that it I, was I kept separate. it separate that was yeah. extremely mature of you Catherine well <laughs> I don't know. It just felt like the Very right thing smart. to do. I don't know. <laughs> so you talked so. about Sherry. Were there any other relationships you wanted to mention that have had a major impact on your life? Um, well, of course, family members. But, yeah. I mean, that one was such a a significant. And, like, mm-hmm. I mean, she was just so bold and matter-of-fact for just a few minutes. Then just to think how that really had a trajectory that changed my life yeah. is really, yeah. like, the most impactful, I think, Absolutely. in that way. And she probably so. didn't even know that it was... She was being yeah, that bold I don't think or so. anything yeah. like that. So yeah. That's so, cool. It was cute. I hope you keep in touch with her still. Oh, we're so friends? best of okay. friends, and we see each other quite often. And oh, that's yeah. so fun. Yeah. It's one of those, you know, we can go a long time without talking, and then we just pick, pick up right where yeah. you left off. Yeah. Oh, I love that. For sure. So. Um, what has nurtured your testimony the most during your adult life? Oh... Probably different callings that I've had, actually. Mm, okay. Yeah, because they push me to do things I wouldn't have normally done. You mm-hmm. know, if I hadn't been, if I hadn't joined the church and been part of this organizational structure, I would have never, I would have shied away from doing most of the things that I've done. Mm. And so, um, so any yeah. Any specifics? That, any callings that really you oh. felt like stretched you or? Everything. Oh. They all do. Yeah, oh, they? they do. Yeah, they absolutely <laughs> do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when, um, this is kind of a funny story. Uh, we were married, so I was 22. We moved in. This is the first family ward that I had ever okay. lived in. Mm-hmm. And I had only been a member of the church at that point for like, what, three and a half years. Okay. And so after a year of being there, I was like a young woman's advisor. After a year, I was called to be a young woman's president. Now, this was a ward. Oh, wow. It didn't have anything to do with me. It was just, it was a ward that was small and it kind of yeah. struggled to fill callings. Okay. And yeah. I think I was... I was, you know, able-bodied, and I was willing. I was all in, and I would do yeah. whatever I was asked. Yeah. And so, anyway, I was me. And so that was the first time, like, I had to, you know, I had to submit names for counselors. And um, I had to, you know, I had not gone, really, I mean, I had a little taste of young women's through my friend, but I hadn't 
gone to camp. I hadn't, you know, had done yeah, most things. Right. So I was learning with them as I went. And so that was fun. That was a huge growth experience just because of that. I kind of got a little young women's of my own yeah. by serving. But yeah. but I, I had a situation where um, I submitted names for counselors and they were approved and the calls extended and they both accepted and that was great. But not too long afterwards, the gal that was the first counselor, she just had stopped coming to church. And I remember thinking, well, but I felt like that was the right, you know, I was mm. prayerful about it. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was right. Why, you know, I kind of thought maybe I got it wrong. Right. And so I started to kind of question my own, you know, was that not really a confirmation? Was that, you know, what was that? Um, so it took a while before I realized, no, that was, Heavenly Father still wanted to give her that opportunity, right. but she still had the agency to do with it what she would. And mm-hmm. and that didn't mean that I got the answer or you know, the feeling was wrong. But it took a little yeah. you know, yeah, bit that to can learn be a that. Tricky, tricky situation to navigate, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, when we feel like we get true inspiration or revelation, right. Right. for it to not work out, that can be yes. a little hard to process in our brains. Yes. We had but. another experience a few years later. Russ had finished school, and he... Um, he ended up getting this job that he really liked. He really liked the job. And um, people who graduated in his major, they, the jobs were really low paying. And the, he got this particular job they really liked, and it paid well. And so yeah. we started saving, and we are like, well, maybe we can buy a house. You know, that was the goal. And so, um, so we started looking around, and we went to this one area, and we saw a home. They were, I think, newer homes or brand-new homes. And we put a deposit on it. And then by that night, I just knew that that was not right. Like, I yeah. just felt terrible about it. And I don't know if it was just the idea of spending that much money or what. <laughs> but I said, I, I don't think that's right. So yeah. we went back the next day. We were within the, the time, mm-hmm. and we got our deposit back, and no problem. But we kept looking at houses, and then we found another house. And um, it, it was really it suited us well. It was near family. Um, and so we wanted to make an offer. And so we were prayerful about it and yeah. felt peace about it. And I thought, okay, so we went ahead and made an offer. It, it was accepted, and we were in escrow, and we had asked for a longer escrow just so we could have a little more time to just save up as much as we yeah. could. And we were just went into, like, super scrounging every penny mode, right? And then a couple weeks into it, Russ got laid off. It was just kind mm. of a, an economical thing, and he was the last hired. And so, But it kind of threw us. We weren't expecting it. Yeah. And so we had to pull out of you know, the escrow and get our money back and we couldn't qualify for that loan anymore. And so again, it was the same thing. It was like, but why did I feel at peace about that? If that wasn't going to work out, it was kind of a very similar feeling. Um, but I think in the long run, it was getting us on a certain track of saving and not spending. (laughs) And cause then it, it set us up for that unemployment time Mm. to be in a better position that we might not have been in had we not thought we were going to buy the house. Right. That makes sense. Yes. So sometimes it's, you know, take that longer view, that step back view to see some of those things. But that was yeah. like, what, why yeah. am I not getting... I think that's the thing, right? Like sometimes we don't think it's working out or at least not the right. way we think it was supposed to. Yeah. But have so I start questioning, you know, some of my... Yeah. What I thought were answers. So... Yeah. But given enough time, even a lifetime, yeah. we'll, we'll figure it we'll all figure out. We'll figure it out, right? Father exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's um, good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about any life experiences that have caused you to trust the most in God? Mm. Probably my health challenges about, you know, last five years or so. Yeah. There was a lot of that. Yeah. So about four and a half years ago, 
I was um, diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. Um, and, and this was like out of, out of the blue, right? It was like, very out of the blue. You were totally healthy and yes. then you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it felt like that. I mean, I had small symptoms, like some joint pain, and I thought, oh, it'll go away. I mean, so that started about six months prior to okay. my diagnosis. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I got to the diagnosis part, and so um, the doctor had prescribed some medication. And to that point in my life, I had responded well I you know I just had experiences where you know a child had an ear infection and they got antibiotics and they felt better like yeah medication worked right exactly. in, in the experiences that I'd had and so she had given me a prescription and said you know it could take a few weeks before it took effect and I was like okay you know I'm patient whatever I can do it and so time was going on but I was not getting better I was I was getting worse yeah. and so um like what were your symptoms so in the beginning it was um like I don't know if people are familiar with lupus, but there was I was presenting like mild lupus. So I had joint pain, fatigue. I was pretty tired. Mm-hmm. Um, I have swollen like hands, fingers. Mm-hmm. I have Raynaud's, which is like where they circulation issues. So they'll turn like white and blotchy when it's cold, or when there's a temperature change. It's not always even cold, and it's yeah. like hot to hot. Um, what else? Um, just a lot of inflammation. Yeah. And so it was my shoulders were the main thing at that time. And so it was hard to like move my arms very mm-hmm. much. Um, and just fatigue. Like I had been tired before. I've had babies that were, you know, up all night. And, yeah. and, and I helped cook meals on track. And I've done things <laughs> that have made me tired. But right. this was a whole different level. Like a fatigue like I've never experienced. Yeah. And so it was just getting worse and worse. Um, and then... A little after the diagnosis, I started to have muscle weakness. I was I had muscle soreness, as if I had like worked out. Oh yeah. Um, but I don't do the working out. It's my husband who does all of that. So, um, but I, that's what it felt like. It felt like I had worked out and then I was sore, and it was getting increasingly sore. And so, long story short, what was happening is that my muscles were inflamed and then breaking down and then leaching into my bloodstream, and so I was losing muscle. Oh gosh. So I'd lost like twenty pounds of just muscle. Um. So it just left me with the inability to stand up or to raise my arms higher than my head or I couldn't dress myself. And, you know, when it got to the worst part, I couldn't, I couldn't get up. I couldn't yeah. get out of bed by myself. I couldn't dress myself, mm-hmm. any of that. So I remember Tiffany Coleman was the pre- Relief Society president at the time, and she, I remember yeah. her texting me, hey, do you have some nail clippers? I'm going to go over and cut nail. Uh, she uh, came over to visit, nails. and yeah. she so that's one of the things I learned was that I needed – help from other people. I'm a pretty independent person. <laughs> yes. Ask my husband. Like <laughs> I, you know, I can take care of myself. Right. Um, but I just couldn't. I really couldn't. So, so she came over. Yeah, she came nails. over just to visit. And yeah. she's like, well, is there anything I can do? And I was like, actually, yeah, can you clip my nails? I couldn't, I couldn't reach my one hand around wow. to even clip my own nails. Yeah. And so, so she did. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I think we couldn't find clippers because I couldn't <laughs> get up and search. So I couldn't yeah. even tell anybody where to look. No, I just and remember so, being struck by the fact that yeah, you know, yeah. you were so sick that, that was somebody even that was, needed to yeah, clip your nails. That was, that was the worst yeah. part. So, but there were experiences through the whole time that you know that you hear that Heavenly Father knows what you need before you know, but before you pray for it. Well, yeah. Heavenly Father knew what I needed before I certainly knew what I needed. Yeah. So there were there's lots of experiences, and I did think to write most of them down, but there's a few I can give you. One was. 
I had a friend come over. I, at this point, I was still, you know, being able to kind of take care of myself. I may have been slow and tired, mm-hmm. but I was still functioning. Right. But my friend came over, and she brought a wheelchair. And she's like, oh, I just have this in the garage. I thought maybe, you know, my husband really likes to go for walks. And so yeah. she's like, maybe if you just didn't feel up for a walk, Russ could push you around the neighborhood for a walk. And yeah. I was like, I don't need a wheelchair. <laughs> I kid you not, like a week later, we were using that wheelchair to go on walks in the neighborhood. And then shortly thereafter, even just to go to the doctor or whatever, we were using you that, wheelchair. that wheelchair. And yeah. I had no idea that that was wow. you know, going to happen. <clears throat> and then another one was... Um, so prior to Bishop Coleman was Bishop Walmendorf, and Russ was serving as his counselor. Yeah. And, um, and this was all going on, but I never really felt like, oh, I need Russ to be released. That just didn't even cross my mind, because in my mind, that medicine was going to start working. Yeah, you were going to get better. And right my doctor away. had added another medicine, and that one was certainly going to work this right. time. You know? And so I just thought, it's just a matter of time. I'm fine. Right. And so um, then he was released. It was kind of, you know, all of a sudden he was extended a release. And I remember on the Sunday that he was released, I was sitting in the pew and after sacrament, I was able to get myself up. Now I had to use my arms to like push myself up the, yeah. using the pew in front of me, but I could do it. Right. Well, the very next Sunday was the first Sunday he was sitting next to me and I could not get up from the pew by myself. So mm-hmm. Heavenly Father definitely oh, knew wow. I needed him yeah. when I needed him well before I did. Oh my goodness. So at that point it was, That's you know, incredible. got worse. Yeah, and then he was more available for the rest and of the And he was, illness. yes, he was around. Cause what was the time frame of this? I mean, you said there was like six months where symptoms were starting, but then like how long were you yeah. really sick for? So I was, I did the AP testing in the beginning of May, and that was, that's a tiring, long day yeah. experience. So that kind of depleted my energy. I was about, all I could do in those two weeks in May was do the testing. I would come home and I would like really be ready to crawl into bed and then just to get up the next morning. I remember getting up in the morning and I would shower and get dressed and then I'd have to bring a chair in to like do my makeup and do my hair. I had to sit down. Yeah. So that was in May. Yeah. And then the worst was July. I had a couple of falls because I just, I just didn't have the muscle to yeah. like recover. Yeah. So I had a couple of falls and um, by the end of July, it was the worst and mm-hmm. beginning of August. At that point, there was an insurance kind of fight going on with insurance and what treatment oh, they were going to cover. My doctor was ready to escalate it to a more expensive treatment. Yeah. And they kind of dropped the ball, but it, it kind of took a couple of weeks to get that resolved. So in the meantime, yeah. I was declining. Yes. So it was, you know, from like May to beginning of August, it was kind of a quick slide. Yes. So, yeah. but, but I had everything that I needed. Like I just was able to procure whatever I needed if, you know, like a hospital bed, we just got one off of Craigslist. Instead of like going weeks and weeks through the insurance process, we just were able to find one and we yeah. got it and it worked fine. And yeah. just whatever I could do to maintain my independence. But in the darkest days where I just was laying there, really couldn't do anything. Right. Um, the other blessing was that I was looking for any other stories that were similar to mine. Like, I was scouring the internet, mm-hmm. so all I could really do is, you know, right. looking for other like situations. I was looking for a gauge, like, am I going to get better, or is this my new normal? That's right. what I didn't know. Yeah. And the doctor seemed hopeful that I was going to get better, but I was not seeing at that point any, um, you were just going any down. proof of that. Yeah. And so I needed to know, do I need to make plans now for this kind of care long yeah. term? Yeah. 
or was I going to get better? And I was looking for a timeline. I needed something that was going to tell me like, I'm okay however long it takes. I just wanted to know, mm-hmm. like, was I going to recover at all? And um, then all of a sudden, so some years prior, I had served in State Young Women's and I got a chance to know some ladies that I would not have known otherwise in the state, other wonderful people in other wards. And all of a sudden I'm laying there and this name popped into my head of a sister in one of the other wards that I don't see very often because we don't go to the same building or anything. And I thought, oh, I got to know her a little bit. And I remember her telling me she had, I thought, you know, lupus or some experience with some other autoimmune diseases with her daughter. And then I thought, oh, she had a son who left on his mission the same time that my oldest son did. Mm-hmm. And he came home early because he was sick. And I was like, I wonder. I said, I don't know what he had. But I remember seeing pictures on Facebook of him being welcomed at the airport. Yeah. I said, I don't know what he has, but I feel like he looks oh, in those yeah. pictures. So I'm going to reach out to her. So I sent her a text. I'm like, hey, do you remember me? And um, I told her a little bit. And she replied right back, of course I remember you. And she was a wealth of knowledge that like just... I was so grateful for her. and she could she called me and she came over and brought me stuff and she was familiar with the treatment that we were trying to get to and all these things and it was very similar to what her son had had a slight difference yeah but she was able to like tell me in a year you'll be you know independent again it might take a year to get fully you know and she said and then five years it'll take five years to really come out of it and I was like okay that's all I needed to know I just needed to know that there was something that yeah. somebody else knew right and um so I was so grateful that just that remembrance that I was prompted just to reach out to her and she was yeah. just what I needed at the time so that's so cool one of the, I mean many things but like you said you didn't know her that well and yeah. what are the odds that you would have just remembered her but yeah because I never saw her you know right but the Holy so, Ghost was able to bring that remembrance yeah, to your mind at yeah, the right moment for sure and I needed it and she was able to warn me like sometimes anxiety because when you're you know, I was just in bed. I was just kind of like a fish out of water. I couldn't really get out of bed very well yeah. by myself. And yeah. so she said at night, anxiety can kind of come into play. So I was really, I knew that that was a possibility. She kind of alerted me to some things to watch out for. Yeah. And I was really blessed to not have to really get into that. But um, right. but she was really helpful. Yeah. So, yeah, it was great. Oh, that's amazing. So that whole illness, yeah, t- taught me to trust Heavenly Father because he definitely knew what I needed before I did. Yeah. And... It taught me to let others help because I, I, I couldn't I couldn't do it otherwise, you know, right. I had to do it. Right. Um, yeah. And it taught me a lot of compassion, too. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I felt like I was 90-something years old. Mm. And so now when I see, you know, aged people, I feel like, oh, that must be hard for them. I, I recognize what must be, must be hard for them right. that I may, probably wouldn't have recognized before, yeah. just like climbing a couple of steps yeah or something like that you know absolutely so. absolutely if I remember correctly you were serving as compassionate service sometime before that so you were the one who was arranging all the I meals was. and service for people I was yeah I could do that term. at least I could do yeah. that from my chair mm, mm-hmm. so it was a calling I could still do right um, but yeah <laughs> but then but to then, also be needing help yeah yourself I'm sure that was exactly so that's kind of awkward like, yeah. but I had <laughs> I had lots of help ward members helped tremendously I had my friend Sherry came and spent a whole week with yeah. me because my husband does have to travel for mm-hmm. work. So he stayed home as much as he could, but there were times where, you know, he had to go. And so she came and stayed a week with me, and I had family members come and stay the week with me. I had a dear friend come and just lift my arms mm-hmm. and so I didn't get frozen shoulders because I couldn't lift my arms myself. I could do yeah. this. But she would just, just come every... Elbow, that's all sometimes every day she would come and just 
move my arms all so I had a range of motion. Oh my goodness. So there was a lot of service. Yeah. So, and I mean, my kid, my family, my kids were great. Yeah. My, my daughter was home that summer, so she took care of all the grocery shopping and meals. You know, that part was taken care of. Right. Even right. my son, I think he was, what, 14 at the time, and he would have to lift me up if I wanted to get up from the couch or from the table mm-hmm. in the kitchen. He would lift me, you know. Yeah. So, everybody helped. So, I mean, you've, you've mentioned how many ways you felt like Heavenly Father prepared you or put the right things in your brain. Was it... Did you ever have periods where it was hard, though? Like, did you ever get scared that this was lasting I too didn't. long? I didn't. I was very much at peace. I remember Aaron like asking really me. Led through the process. He's like, I don't need to know the details. He said, but is this going to kill you? And I said, I don't think so. And I just yeah. felt like I might be not be able to function as much as yeah. I had in the past. But I never felt like it was going to be the end. Yeah. So I felt pretty much at peace. Keep a very positive. Yeah outlook so so was your your friend right was it a year before you started coming back yeah um actually once we got the approved treatment yeah which finally came at like the end of august mid-august i had the doctor said just go to the hospital i'm tired they have to they have to pay for whatever we do if we admit you yeah so she kind of forced the insurance hand and then by the end of august i got the treatment that was approved and all that yeah and then it was almost like a little bit of a spark inside me i suddenly had energy before that, I didn't even have energy to have a phone conversation wow. or to talk to people, yeah. really. Couldn't even hold my head up very long, like, mm. without just being tired, like, I needed to lay down. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, I had, like, just a spark of energy that I could tell was different. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then yeah, I had home health come and do physical therapy twice a week. And then yeah. it was amazing. Like, I did the little exercises that didn't look like much, <laughs> but they were working. And so, right. and from then, I think a couple of months, I got to driving again. And I could okay. walk without a walker. Yeah. And um, Daniel got married the following January. Okay. And so my goal was to, like, walk as normal as possible mm-hmm. for the wedding. And I made it. So yeah. I, mean, I still got tired and had still some stamina to build. Mm-hmm. Um, what a crazy so. process to go downhill so fast. And then really, I mean, you did come back pretty fast. I did fast. come back pretty fast. That's incredible. Yeah. What's it like for yeah. you today? Do you have any lingering symptoms? I do. I still always, you know, have joint pain. Yeah. Um, somewhere something hurts all the time, you know, mm-hmm. to, but I manage it. Um, but the muscle strength has come back. That's what um, I'm still being treated for it on an ongoing yeah. basis. Yeah. So that's being managed. Um, I, I struggle with when not to overdo it. Mm, okay. It's hard. It's a hard balance between doing enough to make me stronger, but not doing too much to make me too exhausted. Right. And that's hard to know when, where the line is. Sometimes. Oh, yeah, I'm so, sure. you know, So do you get any error. of the fatigue anymore? Or sometimes, if, I, if overdo I overdo it. it yeah. If I don't get, I, I, you know, I have to be conscious about getting good sleep, good enough rest. Yeah. And, yeah, but otherwise, I mean, I'm fully functioning in other ways, so I'm back oh, to doing my little jobs and yeah. things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, such a miraculous yeah. story. That's amazing. So. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. Is there any anything else you wanted to share? Any other experiences? No. No. That's that's good. Okay. That's enough, I think. Yeah. No, that was wonderful. And I really do appreciate you coming on and and contributing your part to the release study potluck. So yes. thank you. Yes. It's really been fun um, to listen to others. So I've enjoyed it very much. So yeah. good job. Oh. You guys are doing a great job. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's been it's been so great to hear everybody's stories and yeah. We were talking before we started recording, like each of us have found stuff in every episode that has 
spoken to us and that has strengthened us. Right. And just, I'm just continually amazed yeah. by the sisters in our ward. Yeah. Everybody has yeah. wonderful, unique stories. Yeah, it's been so. really fun. So. Okay, well, thank you so much for yeah. coming on, Catherine. Thanks for having me. This was wonderful. A huge thank you to Catherine for being willing to share her story and faith. I'm so grateful to each one of you who agrees to come on the podcast. Hearing Catherine's experiences left me feeling more optimistic and ready to face the future. And my hope is always that you also come away from these episodes feeling endeared to your wonderful fellow sisters and strengthened in your faith in Christ. Please let Catherine know you listened and what were your favorite parts. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.